Mubarak Habibi. Welcome to Wrecked, the podcast where we explore what happened when California legalized adult use marijuana in 2018. Welcome to the very last episode of season one of Wrecked. I'm crying, guys. It has been an amazing eight months of a journey sitting in this basement with y'all talking about Prop 64 and taxes and more taxes and even more taxes. Anyway, I am Christopher Trout, the very tired creative director of <laughs> The Grass Agency, and I am joined today by Rena Caria. Hey, Rena. What's up, Christopher? And, and Brandy. Brandy. Say what now? Oh, and Brandy, hi. Hi, it's Brandy Moody. <laughs> what you do, Brandy? Brandy Moody makes a lot of decks. <laughs> I make a lot of decks, giving you a lot of advice on how to better your business. Cool. How's that working out? It's actually working out great. She's so very smart. You should hire her. Yeah. yeah, she's an ancillary business. She is the pickaxe in the gold On rush. the pickaxe of research, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're taking a look back at what might have been had Prop 64 not come to fruition and taking stock of what's changed since we started recording in April. Um, over the past eight months... I have gone out into the wild world of weed and interviewed pioneers, growers, policymakers, lawyers, investors, activists, dispensary owners, and the list goes on and on and on. And by all accounts, 2018 has been a bust. 2019 continues. <laughs> to be a bust. I want to talk about some of the bigger sort of themes that have, have been kind of carried throughout this series and look at what has changed since legalization, right? So we know what happened in 2018, but what is going on now? So I want to start with the number one word on everybody's lips in this industry, which is taxes a stack of taxes the taxes are insane then come the taxes upwards of 35 percent in taxes can't afford to pay the tax one of the things that was i think the most damning statistic of 2018 was the lack of tax revenue that came through so in the lead up to prop 64 governor jerry brown at the time had estimated that the state of California would see $643 million in tax revenue. And what actually came about was like almost half of that. Um, it was more like $345 million in tax revenue. In January 2019, our new governor, Gavin Newsom, who was actually pretty instrumental in setting up the framework for Prop 64, or at least making recommendations for what would become Prop 64, he estimated that tax revenue for 2019 would be $355 million. In May, he readjusted again, down to $288 million in tax revenue. And despite what everybody has said, which is, 
taxes are a huge burden on cannabis businesses right now. The state just recently raised taxes again. Come on. So we're already looking at, in some places, like Oakland, it's upward of 40% for taxes for for cannabis businesses, which means (laughs) that there's very little left over for profit. 40% to the consumer. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is still, I mean, name another industry where the consumer is paying that much in taxes. Yeah, it's insane. I think what's really important for this, what the state needs to do is to be a little bit more transparent into where these taxes are going, just from like a consumer perspective at this point. Like if I'm paying 40% in taxes, like I would like to know that that just helped build a school or, you know, it's like at least with SB1 where we're paying, you know, the gas tax we're paying a little bit more for gas these days. We can see when we're driving down a highway that they're like, this is your tax dollar at work. Right. You know, with, with cannabis, I don't think we've had any transparency into where this money is going, you know? And that's a little frustrating, I think, as a consumer to keep purchasing because, you know, where where is it going? Well, I mean, you know, when it comes to weed, you have a second option, right? Like, you don't have to buy on the regulated market. You can buy on the illicit market. When it comes to things like gas, you can't just roll up to the illicit gas station (laughs) and pump illicit gas into your your hybrid. Right. (laughs) So there was taxes, right? And I think that one's that one you can you can catch it if you're on the East Coast. Like everybody knows California failed on the taxes. Mm -hmm. It's pretty well known at this point. And if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard it over and over and over again. And like I said, I'm so tired of talking about it. So let's move on. Please. Compassionate care. So compassionate care, compassionate use was basically the free transfer of marijuana from either growers or dispensaries or manufacturers to medical marijuana patients with terminal illnesses. The free exchange of weed. Hi, my name is Tracy Ryan. I'm in a company called Kids, and I think it's important for everyone to know that for the last four and a half years, we have been supplying medicine to dying patients, and we can't afford to operate in this kind of climate. We're going under. My friends are closing their doors, they're moving states, and nonprofits can't afford these kinds of expensive fees. I didn't capitalize on the green rush. I was saving lives while everybody else was making millions of dollars. So these companies that used to give free weed to people that really needed it were no longer able to do that because they were being taxed at such a high rate that they basically were taxed out of existence. Bright note, Gavin Newsom, our governor, signed into law a state Senate bill, State Senate Bill 34, also known as the Dennis Perone and Brownie Mary Act that made compassionate use legal again. Well, plausible. Yeah. Plausible again. Right, because we haven't seen any kind of initiatives roll out with that. Right. But I'll I'll say this. For all the talk that there has been about taxes and, and all of that stuff, compassionate care was one of those things that only a very small group of people were really making a lot of noise about. It just was not sexy enough, I guess. It just wasn't... No, we've talked about this before. Yeah, it's not sexy to be like... Got cancer. Right. And as a result, like, not a lot of people made a big stink about it. The people that did had their, you know, had 
their day in court, so to speak, or whatever. And they they got back the ability to give away free weed to the people that needed it the most. Unfortunately, most of those nonprofits are gone. Right. So our bright spot just got a little bit darker. <laughs> Let's move on. Yes. Equity. Equity programs have also been a big point of discussion in the state of California, mostly because the very first equity program in the United States came through the city of Oakland. The only issue with that is that if you ask just about anybody who's been involved in that process, they will tell you it's broken. But the program was supposed to have four equity dispensaries, period. And if that's not the case, then defeat the program. How are you going to then say the program is working if you're not even adhering to the rules? There's one bright spot, Tucky Blunt. Blunts and Moore is the only equity dispensary up and running in Oakland, despite the fact that it was the pioneering city and for this thing. maybe the world, right? Right. There are other equity businesses that maybe aren't dispensaries, right? And Correct. so, So that's cool. And I guess it's cool that, you know, the program actually happened and it did influence other states to put it into their... Uh, legislation when they legalized. Right. And it's potentially going to have an impact on federal legalization should that happen. Like all of our Democratic, I don't know if all of them, but most of the Democratic nominees for president for 2020 are including marijuana legalization in their platforms. They're also including equity programs as part of that legalization. And I think that's pretty cool. You've got these equity programs set up to make sure that small businesses, specifically small businesses owned by people whose communities were over-policed during the war on drugs, the communities that were the most impacted by the war on drugs, have an opportunity to grow in a regulated market, right? That they're given the ability to do this thing. And one of the biggest problems with the Oakland equity program is that, yes, they gave you the opportunity, but they didn't give you tools the tools the resources to make those things work which led to a lot of those businesses really not getting up off the ground some of them never actually coming to fruition there's a reason why tucky and Brittany own the only equity dispensary in oakland it's not because only one of those uh licenses was awarded it's because they were the only ones that could actually make it work within this crazy industry, right? The qualifications for me to be in this program means I'm poor. And you want me to now provide this kind of money at, in most cases, five to six times marked up normal than anybody else. And you want me to survive in this, all of this before I even get a dime in my pocket. But it's not just the equity applicants who are having a hard time of it. Small businesses and large businesses alike are really having a hard time staying afloat in the regulated market. And most recently, Brandy, you pointed this out, these big companies, the Paxes, the Eases, and the Weed Maps of the world have just gone through major rounds of layoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's there's been a bunch of articles that have come out now that I think everybody kind of set their themselves up as these big machines. Like, we're going to set up, we're going to create a corporate structure we're going to hire people from other industries that are going to just like make us all take off but at the end of the day 
because of taxes. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Take a drink. Um, <laughs> you know, they're not seeing that the revenue that they expected. So this big machine that they set up to kind of grind and operate at a fast pace is unable to do that, therefore resulting in layoffs. So the big companies are suffering... And then the pioneers, the people that created this industry, many of them, in fact, most of them, are just not going into the regulated market. Part of the sort of criticism of the way that California has handled legalization, the way that Prop 64 was carried out, is that three times as many illicit businesses in the state of California are running as licensed businesses in the cannabis industry. And I think we have to remember it's not just like illegal grows, right? We've talked about this before. It's illegal dispensaries. It's, I mean, how easy is it for us to order packaging from China and spit out some illegal edibles or, you know, things of that? Vapes exactly. that lead to a national crisis. Exactly. So I always think whenever I hear like illicit, I always just think of like, you know, black market grows out in the middle of nowhere. But really, it is. It's insane how it's like sprinkled across every corner of the market. Right. It's manufacturers, right. it's dispensaries, it's distributors, it's basically everybody. But the the booming illicit market is really just, it is as a result of all these other things that we've just talked about, right? It's a result of the red tape, the taxes, the... You know, the the regulations basically being on the side of people who already can afford to be in the business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, bottom line is, is that Prop 64 really didn't turn out the way that we all expected it to. Mm-hmm. Or at least the way that you, Brandy, and I expected it to. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's... Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I voted for sixty four. Oh right, me and Chris, this is our fault. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I voted for sixty four. Brandy voted for sixty four. Voted for sixty four. Well, you know, a lot of the experts that we talked to, um, even Dale Sky Jones in one of those inter- you know the articles I read today, was like, in the, you know, in the end, she did end up. Um, being for it but she was like but i waited for the last month you know and even the lawyers we talked to everyone's like it was necessary it was a step in the right direction apparently legalizing or regulating if you like cannabis did not end or cure 500 years of racism in america and uh i don't think i thought it was going to but it did seem like a step in the right direction so yeah, better than a poke in the eye with a chopstick. In terms of Mendo Mike, he can be open with his family about it. They don't have to worry if he has to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of people who've had their records expunged. The, so some positive things have happened. And so maybe, you know, this is the first very painful baby step. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, Dale Sky Jones, who uh, we tried to get to come on this podcast, <laughs> uh, eventually, eventually campaigned for, or at least gave her her blessing, I guess, to Prop sixty four in in a way. Um, Dale Sky Jones is an interesting figure because in the process of talking about this stuff with so many people, her name popped up multiple times, mostly because. When Prop 64 was sort of in its infancy, 
before it became Prop 64, before it got onto the ballot, there were, according to Emily Paxia at least, 12 different initiatives. During the work of Proposition 64, I was on the board of Marijuana Policy Project. We had been involved in a number of the state regulations that had been passed. And the thing I had learned from all, every single one of those, which it's interesting because I didn't have a political background before this. I mean, I had political beliefs of my own, but I had engaged in the process. And the thing I've learned from engaging in the process is that there's a lot of give in order to get on these whole things. I'm getting anything passed. It's, there's just no clean line. And I think if anything, we can look at the last few years of our political system in the U.S. to see that it's almost mind-boggling how things actually happen. Dale Sky Jones is a, a big figure in Bay Area weed, right? And in California weed in general. She is the head of Oaksterdam University, which is the sort of premier university for cannabis training in mm-hmm. the United States, I would say. Mm-hmm. So as we led up to this episode, I realized we weren't going to get Dale Sky Jones to talk to us about her competing initiative for Prop 64 or for legalization. Um, but I did find something that I think is really interesting. And I think is a really good teller of what could have been had Prop 64 been different or had it been, um, had it not, had it not passed, right? Um, Dale Sky Jones was heading up a sort of a, another one of these, you know, 12 initiatives that could have been the Prop 64. And I did find one interview with her where she talked about what needed to happen. So she had actually headed up or been a a big part of Prop 19, which was another voter initiative that was introduced in 2010. And it would have made California the first state to legalize adult use in the United States. It failed. Everyone is watching. And if we don't get this right, we become the redheaded stepchildren poster child of what not to do. And we're done being that for the last few years. And what she was saying was, we need to look at the prop, we need to look at the failures of Prop 19. And we need to push for full-scale legalization, not just decriminalization. And as the lead up to 64 happened, and after 64, you continue to see her pop up in interviews talking about how what we got wasn't actually legalization. It didn't go far enough. So I wasn't able to get her to talk about it, but I did find a report that was actually in part written by then Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, Gavin, do you support the legalization of recreational marijuana? In as as some folks may know, uh, we uh, very likely have a ballot initiative in 2016 to tax and regulate marijuana for adults. And, uh, and we, have, we have strong confidence we'll win. We've got to do it right and be thoughtful and, and deal with the legitimate concerns folks have about our children and not allowing to big tobacco to come in, become big marijuana. Right. So we want to do it in a very thoughtful way, and uh, we'll have that opportunity next year. In 2015, Gavin Newsom, the then-Lieutenant Governor, and a group of academics and, and big thinkers published a report as part of the Blue Ribbon Commission on Marijuana Policy. 
and they published this Pathways report, as as it was called. And in fact, Dale Sky Jones actually is mentioned in this report because she she had given her input on it. So like they talked to people in the industry. They did these like um, you know talking tour. They went to Humboldt and Oakland and and other parts of California, and they talked to people that were in the industry to really inform what a legalization initiative should look like. They had a few key recommendations that are so telling. It's unbelievable. Like what we ended up with, with prop 64 <laughs> looks like the antithesis of the blue ribbon commission <laughs> on marijuana policies pathways report. They were like Laurie Ajax. Um, don't look at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here are some of their key recommendations. Legalization should roll out in stages and be dynamic. It was a fucking <laughs> atomic bomb, really. They were like, okay, fucking get legal right now. And like, that's the wrong packaging. Throw all of that packaging away. This yeah. We didn't mean that. It means it's supposed to look like this. Yeah. Change that fucking logo on yeah. it. And to be fair, that was in Prop 64. If you read all 62 fucking pages of Prop 64, like, which which one of us in this room... California voters who are upstanding citizens who <laughs> do their homework. Who in this room has read all 62 pages? Not me. No, not me. Brad. I read most of Prop 64 today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a snooze. Just putting it out there. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's no bridges over Madison County or whatever. <laughs> so not only was it supposed to be dynamic and rolled out in stages, but it should, according to this, according to this uh, report, promote the public interest, which we are interested in not paying for forty percent markup on mm-hmm. weed. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested on. I'm interested in getting high. Yeah, <laughs> and not paying too much money for it. Um, it was also supposed to reduce the size of the illicit market. <laughs> Well, didn't yeah. do that. We've covered that one pretty well. <laughs> it was supposed to offer legal protection to responsible actors, and I think it did. I think that that actually that has happened. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the whole the whole step of testing is really incredible. I mean, I've learned a lot as a consumer that, you know, what what was I smoking like, you know, years ago when it wasn't being tested or What were you smoking? Dog I mean, <laughs> I've Bought weed in Washington Square Park, and I'm still here alive to tell you about it. So who knows? Right, you know? I bought it in El Paso, Texas, yeah. in '99. In so. Austin, I mean, I was smoking every day then, right? And I like had to, I had some like serious cloud stuff that I thought like, oh, this is just like what weed does to your brain, and I'm sure there's some to that, but I don't have that same fucking feeling here with mm-hmm. California weed. Like, I could smoke weed all day and not not feel like that so anyway so one of the other recommendations this is a a fucking knee slapper capture and invest tax revenue through a fair system of taxation and regulation well they sure are capturing (laughs) they're capturing (laughs) ain't fair though that ain't fair Uh uh-uh 40 percent there's more like raping and pillaging (laughs) Ooh, it was also supposed to ensure equity and access for small and mid-sized businesses. And this is one that, like, really, it's kind of fucking crazy, right? Because 
when you read Prop 64, it sounds like they're setting it up. I mean, they even say it's set up for small and mid-sized businesses to, to, to thrive. That has just not been the case. And at least in the case of cultivators, it's because there was no limit put on the number of licenses you could have. So they put a limit on the amount of acreage you could have. You could have one acre of outdoor grow, right? And then some equivalent number for an indoor grow. Yeah, square footage. Right. Is what they did, yeah. And that was capped, right, for the first five years. So by 2023, then you could move to these bigger grows. But what ended up happening was something that's been, been called stacking. So these large corporations are coming in and they're buying up hundreds of licenses and thus having, I think in one case in, where is this? Santa Barbara. Yeah, in Santa Barbara, which now has the largest grows in the world. Uh, there's one, <laughs> there's one uh, farm that has 147 acres. That's crazy. That's 147 times the legal limit. (laughs) (laughs) There's also a bit about um, ensuring equity in in the industry. I did a quick um, search in the text of Prop 64 for the word equity. It came up once in reference to the amount of uh, the, the sort of shares that somebody can have in a business. Mm. And then there was this there was this other thing here that was like laws passed by citizen initiative are often more difficult to change or amend than legislative measures on regulatory decisions. There are numerous examples of unintended consequences, the theme of our fucking show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> growing out of ballot measures that have proven challenging for state and local policymakers to navigate. That is why it is imperative that any cannabis legalization initiative be crafted in such a way to allow flexibility for policymakers and regulators. It was a Mm 62-page-long fucking document, which, let's compare 64 to the prior sort of rule of law, Prop 215, which made medical marijuana legal in the state of California. 62 pages versus one motherfucking paragraph. (laughs) What is the weed utopia that we could have lived in? Well, I don't think it's gone. I mean, I I still think that we can, we can still continue to roll things out. I think that there needs to be like, like almost like there needs to be more education. There needs to be more funds available to small people, to small businesses. This tax revenue should be going back into kind of having a no questions asked kind of policy for illicit people to get onto the legal market. There should be really big open kind of uh, policies for this right now. There should be incentives. There should be incentives for small businesses to come into the, into the industry. And there should be restrictions on actual restrictions Mm -hmm. on big businesses. But there have been some upsides to Prop 64. I feel like this whole this whole season has felt like 
a lot of ragging on 64 Mm -hmm. um, on adult use legalization in California. And I think for good reason, it's really hard to not get down on it. It's really hard not to be like, why isn't it working yet? Like we have this industry that's centuries old, right? Like Mm -hmm. why can't it just work? I mean, I think the disappointment is, is that we lived through the salad days, right? We, it was working. 215 was great. Um, and so I think... <laughs> That's like going to go on your headstone. That's on yeah. Raina's headstone. 215 was great. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that... I mean, I think, right, there's something to compare it to. There was... It's not like, oh, all of a sudden there's there's the weed industry. It's like, oh, this wasn't as good as it was before or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. We We had already been living through it and like and in enjoying it um and yeah so maybe it's it's all the disappointment but also yeah it is just fucking tough i don't think whenever we started out creating this podcast that we thought it was going to be this <laughs> like this serious yeah you know? i don't think we thought it was going to be like doom and gloomy like we thought it was going to be like oh look at this listen to this great story about this founder like oh look let's talk about this and <laughs> yeah this i mean it was great? about it was about the unintended consequences right? right and that that in itself could go any number of directions i think we knew though that things hadn't turned out the way that we expected mm-hmm. them I to. Mean, and that's where the idea for the podcast came in, I mean, in, it's right? called Wrecked. It's called Wrecked. Right. And our logo is a blurry eye. <laughs> 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 but, like, yeah, I did expect it to be a little bit more of a 50-50 split. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it was good, but it was also bad. I would like to do a round table. We'll mm-hmm. go around the table. Mm-hmm. And we will talk about... Fave, fave things. Our favorite thing about Prop 64. <laughs> Maybe not Prop 64, but, you know, living in a post-prohibition world. I mean, I like the idea of all this weed tourism that's going to happen. Like, I definitely want to fucking sit in a hot spring and smoke weed. You don't do that already. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> I mean, I guess you don't actually smoke the weed at the hot spring. Yeah, right. But the chances that you'd actually be able to do that under the regulated market anyway, it's just like, it's just not happening. You can get high before you get in. There's, you know, a possibility. I guess you're not supposed to be in hot tubs while under the influence of things. That's what they tell you on signs. Because of dehydration. And also, who listens to signs? Fuck not me. Signs. Because I definitely drink wine in a hot tub. Mm-hmm. I like that products are tested. Again, we just said, like, it does make me feel good. Like anything else I'm putting in my body, it's being tested and it's safe. And mm-hmm. I know that there's not bad, harmful things in it. So that's. I was going to make an STD joke about putting things in my body that haven't been tested. Uh, <laughs> 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 but that, not your body. I've I've definitely put untested things in my body. <laughs> <laughs> Product innovation is really great. We mm-hmm. talked about weed lube earlier. Mm-hmm. Remember there was Canna dips. Oh yeah, which, I think they're still around. They're pouches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a I dip it, pouch. If you know people get off the tobacco pouch with it, that sounds like a good thing. Well, yeah, yeah that is a good thing actually. Alternatives to oh yeah, like accessible alternatives mm-hmm. to one. Alcohol, Mm -hmm. two, cigarettes, Mm -hmm. three, opioids. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are all good things. Right? Those are all good things. And then um, 
On a personal level, I am really happy about 64 because I used to be so paranoid driving with weed in my car no mm. matter what. Like, like I could have a joint hidden behind the back seat and like just be totally freaked out that like add that onto like if I get pulled over well, for whatever. Now you can fly with I'm it. I'm more paranoid now about driving, which is weird. Well, with driving it, while high or no, just driving with weed in your car? Driving with weed in my car. But you're allowed to have a certain amount in your car. You're allowed to have a certain amount on you. Yeah, you're allowed to, but not like a half-smoked one. And I think mm. before 64, there weren't laws that mm. people could pin you on. And now it's like, oh shit, is there that fucking like roach in here or whatever? It's and like an open container kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess the oh, a thing I do like is yeah, that. What do you like? Well, like the stigma is changing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I can talk to my brown immigrant parents about it and take them to the dispensary, and that's not like a thing that Mm-mm. you could have done before. Yeah. I agree. Yes. And I'm down That's with the cool. tourism. I I want to yeah. go to a farm and hear the story and walk in the hills and Yeah. You know, just like I would a coffee farm or a winery and yeah. then you have a bluebird fall on your shoulder. Yeah. Wrecked is a podcast of the Grass Agency. I'm Christopher Trout. My co-hosts are Rena Caria and Brandy Moody. We're produced and edited by Kyle Mock, and our theme music is by Regender. Follow us at The Grass Agency on Instagram and Twitter. We'll see you next season.